Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, let me just read just the last, uh, the last uh, uh, um, six verses here of, of, of chapter 13. The Bible says, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were, that, uh, they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother Mary, or, or is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, are his sisters uh, um, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. Please note verse 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I entitled this message, The Limited Power of God. Now I hope everybody in this room will go, Whoa, whoa, whoa Limited. Oh no, God in his potential, God in what he's able to do, God in his, in his character is unlimited. There's nothing God can't do. I remember my children going to, or my oldest child going to uh, Sunday school down at, uh, at the Holland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee when I was in school. And, and uh, she would come out and one of the things little Solomon sang was, my God is so big. And they'd emphasize big. The kids would yell, my God is so big so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I remember we'd go home, we'd be on our way home from church on a Sunday night, and just the three of us, my oldest daughter and my wife and I at that time, our family, and we'd just be singing, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I believe that. With all of my heart, I've lived my life believing on that. So I want you to understand that when I talk about the limited power of God, I don't believe God is limited, except by one thing, our unbelief. It's not the problems that limit God. It's not the culture that limits God. It's not the, it's not the, 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 the challenges. It's not, the, it's not all of those things. None of those things limit God. Folks, he... He put the worlds in existence with the, with, 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 with the Word. He spoke all these things into existence. God is not lacking any power or ability. But He's limited by your or my willingness to believe. When I was, newly said, I was, I was, uh, my wife and I both got saved the same night in a revival meeting while serving uh, in the army on the, on the island of Okinawa. And um, I went out one side of the aisle when the heads were bowed. I went out this side, walked down the aisle. Many of you know Brother Kennard with BIMI. Brother Kennard was the pastor of the church at that point. And so when I went forward, that's the man I walked up to. 
Brother Connard put out his hand, and, he, and I said, I just need to come to Jesus. I've been struggling with some things. I said, I need to come to Jesus. He said, well, let's do it. And he knelt, he turned around with me, and right on the front pew of that church that day, Brother Kennard prayed with me as I received Christ as my Savior. It wasn't very long after that that somebody asked me, just within a, uh, within a month or two, somebody asked me, say, what's your life verse? And I said, a life verse? I didn't even, you know, I mean, when people say that as far as I was concerned, you know, the, because I was so, so raw that I thought the, the epistles were the wives of the apostles. I, you know, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I can identify. I didn't know nothing. And he said, life verse. I said, life verse. I said, where do you get one of those? <laughs> I did. I said, is there like a home office and they send you one? Is it a... Is the church supposed to give it to you when you get baptized? I don't know. What do you mean a life verse? And the fellow looked at me. He said, no, no, you just pick one out of the Bible. I said, this whole thing? I'm supposed to find one verse in there that's going to be for my life? I said, yeah. And the guy was looking at me like I hadn't found it yet. <laughs> so I began, I started thinking about it. I got saved on November 22nd. That's 11.22. So I thought, maybe I'll have an 11.22. And so I started looking up every verse in the Bible that had 11.22. Some, some chapters don't, I mean, some books don't have 11 chapters. Skip those. <laughs> some 11th chapters don't have 22 verses. Okay, that didn't work. But I got through the whole Old Testament, and I, I found things about judgment. I found things about killing animals. I thought, you know. None of those sound like something I wanted for a life verse, you know. <laughs> so I got into the New Testament, you know, Matthew. Then I got to Mark. And Mark eleven twenty two says this. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Amen. I said, there's something I can build a life on. And I picked. Mark eleven twenty two is my life verse. That's why our church is named Faith. We started Faith Baptist Church. In fact, I go so far as I tell people in our church, I said, you know, you know, the closer you live to the church, the more just, the more justified you are. It, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. In fact, if you live in our area and you don't come to our church, you can't please God because the Bible says very clearly, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I hope anybody here, if you're a visitor, please understand, I was kidding, both those last two things I said. I have a way of twisting the scriptures in my favor. For example, that, that verse that says I can take vengeance, it does. It says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Saith the Lord. He told me I can, no, no, no. Okay, I tell our people at home, I say, unless I say, thus saith the Lord, you, 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 you gotta, you're, I'm 50-50 whether you can, you know, I'm being, you know, telling the truth or not. But, uh, <laughs> but I, faith became the undergirding um, principle of my life. I've tried to live that way. 
I've tried to live trusting him. If I trust him, that means his word takes precedence. Because if he said it, and somebody else said something different, he's right, they're wrong. By faith. What you're saying about your family, or about family, you're talking about in the Sunday school hour. Do you know when my wife and I were saved, as far as I know, to this day, we were the, I was the very first person ever saved in my family history. I don't know an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, a grandma, grandpa. I don't know none of my immediate family, my five brothers and sisters, mom and dad. Nobody was good. I was raised Catholic. I believe that if I was baptized as a baby and then did my best in my life that tried to live right, that I would probably be okay. I had no assurance of it. In fact, when I came home from Okinawa, 25 years, I talked with my family. I led a, a couple of my brothers and sisters to the Lord. I uh, led some of our family members to the Lord. Today, today, there's more people in my immediate family who know Christ and, are, and, and love the Lord than there are that, that are not. But we still have some. My dad died, and I don't know for sure that my dad ever received Christ. I told him how, but I don't know that he ever did. Oh. I'm hoping that he was just quiet about it. Maybe didn't want to say something, but I'll get to heaven and find him there. I don't know that. I don't know that. My mom, though, my mom was a real debater. That's where I get my my love for bantering and stuff. Mom was just debater. She would she would and she would she would sit down with me and she and she'd talk to me for hours sometimes about something and and and, and I'd tell her this is the way it is. Ah, oh, somebody is. We and we'd argue back and forth. I gave her the gospel many times. And she just, and she said, no, she was, she was content that uh, her baptism and her, and her decent life, she didn't claim to be perfect, but her decent life would be enough. Finally, one day, I looked at her and I said, Mom, let's ask you a question. I said, I've showed you the verses enough. I said, you know the Bible says that um, you may know that you have eternal life in First John. You may know you have eternal life. And I looked at her and I said, do you know that you have eternal life? you 100% for sure right now that if you die, you're going to heaven. And she said, no, I'm not 100% sure. When you're based on your good works, there's never assurance. Was I good enough this week? So I said, Mom, one question I have. If the Bible says you can know for sure and you don't know for sure, doesn't it stand a reason that something's missing? And she just stared at me, you know, you know kindly. From, she, she thought. And then we ended that conversation. And we're like, My mom got saved on the 18th anniversary of our church. Sitting in the second pew, she came over from Seattle to visit. Dr. Clarence Sexton was preaching that morning. Mrs. Sexton was sitting right next to my mother. And when he gave the invitation, my mom raised her hand. And Evelyn Sexton put her arm around my mom's shoulder and said, Pat, do you want to get saved? And my mom burst in tears. She said, yes, I want to get saved. And she trusts Christ as her Savior. Honestly, we wondered if ever that would ever happen. But she got saved. God has the power to save anybody. 
Don't tell me you're too bad of a sinner. There's worse sinners than you in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul. Nobody's ever too bad to get saved. Nobody's ever too far gone to be saved. Nobody's ever too unimportant to be saved. The only thing that will limit you being saved is your own belief. He did not many mighty works in this town. His hometown, the place he grew up, the place where they knew the name of his mother, his brothers and sisters. But in that place, it says he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. May I tell you just very briefly. Paul, I mean, Jesus Christ always responds to faith. This past summer, I started at the beginning of the summer, I just wanted to do something a little different for the summertime, and I, I've been preaching all summer long, and I even went into the, uh, the early fall because I, I didn't want to stop yet, but I've been preaching on the miracles of Christ every Sunday morning. It's gay, a different miracle, a different thought, a different, different but all, and you know, I'm going after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, and in many of the miracles, most of the miracles, it says specifically that it's their faith that saved them. It's their faith that Jesus was responding to. In Matthew chapter, chapter 8, the leper came to Jesus and said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus said, I will. But he came and said, If you will, you can. The centurion with a servant that was sick, Jesus came. And the centurion said, no, you don't even come to my house. I understand authority. I'm a, I'm a military man. I understand authority. You say this, they do it. You say this, they do it. You tell them, come, they come. Tell them, go, they go. I understand authority. All you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled. Marveled. Do you know there's only two things? You can look up, look up the word marvel or uh, marveled. You'll find two times that Jesus marveled. One was when this man exhibited that faith. He marveled. And Jesus said, As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. If I could just read for you one second. The second time he marveled. In Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 4, the Bible says this, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Folks, this is Mark's, um, uh, Mark's uh, um, uh, a reference to this same time that he was, came to his own home. And he says, he says he could do there no mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because one time he marvels at the great faith of this centurion. Another time he marvels at the unbelief of his own hometown. In Matthew 9, two blind men followed Jesus into the house. And he said, believe I am able? Yea, Lord. And according, then he said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. In Matthew 15, 
the Greek woman with the, the Syrophoenician woman with the, with the daughter that had a devil. And Jesus said, no, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, oh, yes, but the dogs get to eat at least of the crumbs. And the Bible says that Jesus' response was, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. Mark chapter 2, the palsied man born of four, they took, they took, uh, took the roof apart to drop him, to get him close to Jesus. What did he say? And when he saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy. When he saw their faith. Over and over again. Jesus always responded to faith. In Mark chapter, uh, chapter 9, the man with the demon-possessed son begging him, said, if you will, please. And he said, he said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And you know, he said, I believe, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Faith. Believe him. In Luke chapter 18, the blind, blind men on the side of the road cried out. And they were, they were, they were, they, uh, they were shushed, they were rebuked, say, don't, don't, don't cry out. And they cried out even the, the more when Jesus turned and came to them or he had them come to him. The Bible says, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. Over and over again. Faith. Faith opens to us the unlimited power of God. Our prayers need to be prayers of faith. Faith. It's simply trusting Trusting what God said. I was raised to believe my family, my parents. They're good people. They love me. How could you not? You know? But um, they, um, you know, I, I believe my parents. I was taught, I went to Catholic grade school. I was taught to believe the priest. I was taught, you know, and I, and I believed a lot of other people. But when I was confronted with the word of God personally, I had to make a decision. If my parents disagreed with the Bible, I'm sorry, the Bible is right, my parents are wrong. If my priest disagreed with the Bible, the Bible's right, the priest is wrong. If my brothers and sisters, the rest of my family, disagree with the Bible, the Bible's right, my family's wrong. That's not a hateful thing on my part, it's just the truth. But I had to come to the realization that if I disagree with the Bible, the Bible's right, and I was wrong. And that's the truth I had to come to the night I received Christ as my personal Savior. Folks, three, three real simple thoughts. Number one, God's power to save is unlimited. His power to save is unlimited. If you're here today, and I, and I just say it that way because I, I don't know your heart condition. I don't know what visitors may be. I don't know what church may be. But if you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you died right now, you would go to heaven, the only thing keeping you from being saved is your unbelief. Right. Nothing else. There's no reason you could give, no reason you give any of us why you could not be saved. I've had people say, yeah, but you know the things I've done. I say, no, but God doesn't. He's the one offering you salvation. Do you realize that our lives are naked 
and open to him with whom we have to do? Folks, there's nothing more revealing. And I'm not trying to be crude or funny. I'm just saying there's nothing more revealing than naked. And God says, that's the way our lives appear to him. He knows every detail of your life. He knows everything you ever thought. He, has everything, he knows everything you, you wish you gave, could get away with. If there's any chance that nobody would find out. Uh, he knows every detail of your life. And he says, come unto me. He invites you. The only thing keeping you from being saved is your own unbelief. And by the way, I'm not trying to express, I'm not trying to make anybody feel doubts, but sometimes there are church members who honestly, in the depths of their heart, they're embarrassed to tell anybody. But in the depths of their heart, they're uncertain. I don't believe, personally, that doubts of salvation indicate someone is not saved. Maybe they just need to understand that they can trust God. I went through a period of time after I was saved uh, 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 questioning whether I was really saved. I'd hear, a, I'd hear a message on hell, and I'd go, oh, man, I don't want to go there. Am I really saved? And then I began to question everything about the way I got saved. Did I say the right thing? Was I thinking the right thing? Did they say the right thing to me? What, you know, uh, you know, I was trying to analyze all the details of it. I was in my third year of Bible college and still struggling with that. Finally, I went to one of our professors, and he said to me, he said, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to take the Gospel of John, and I want you just to read it. I want you to circle every verse. And he said, put an A by it. Any verse that gives you assurance of your salvation. And then I want you to put a D by any verse that gives you doubts. An A or a D. And he said, now when you get finished with that, come back see me again. No other instructions. So I opened the book of John and I started going through there and go, A. 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 I could show you the Bible day. It's still on my shelf. There's not a D in it. But it was not until I got to John chapter 6. He said, all the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me. I didn't remember what I said. I didn't remember what words I used. But I know I got out of my seat that day to come to Jesus. Amen. He said, him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. That's been my assurance verse ever since then. I went back and I told the teacher, I said, I, I believe the Bible says I'm saved. And he said, then when are you going to start just believing the Bible? Yeah. I didn't need to save you. I didn't have to pray again. I need to believe the Word of God and quit examining my own self as the evidence of my salvation. And when he said that, he said, when are you going to start believing? And I said, I said right now. He said that the next time you have a doubt of your salvation in your head, you need to understand where it's coming from. It's not coming from God because it, it doesn't match the scripture he gave. It doesn't come from God. He says it's coming from the devil. And here's what I want you to do. The next time you have a doubt of your salvation, just say to the devil, you're a liar. Amen. The Bible says he is a liar of the father of lies. So it was only a few days later, I was walking, I was on an errand. I, was, I got out of my car in downtown Chattanooga. It was the middle of summertime. People all over. I'm passing people on the street. And all of a sudden, 
the thought came to mind. You know, you, you didn't think you were saved before. How do you really know now? And out loud, I went, you liar. And there's a man walking by. He goes, it's not you. Not you, sir. Not me. Can I tell you something? Honestly, I've never had another serious doubt of my salvation. Never. That settled that day for me. Because I realized who was lying, who was telling the truth, and the truth came from God's word. I'm telling you, the only limit in you or anybody else getting saved is their own unbelief. Only limit. I beg of you. I mean this as sincere as I can possibly say. If you're not sure about your salvation, whether you're a 20-year church member or whether you're a brand new visitor, if you're not sure of your, your salvation, please get that settled. There's nothing more important than knowing for sure that when you leave this earth, you're going to be with Jesus. Nothing more important than that. May I just say, just so you can quickly, God's power to save is limited only by unbelief. God's power to answer prayer is limited by unbelief. The Bible says you can... <laughs> that verse I read to you about my life verse is, it says, uh, it says uh, 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 if you believe, you can move mountains with your prayers. Now, I don't, believe, I don't believe literally that we're supposed to stand and say, okay, let me see. I'm not really going to believe God unless I can move that mountain over there. You know, I believe he's saying there are mountains in our lives. There are things in our lives. There are roadblocks that are, that are hindrances to our, to our growth. There are things in our lives that we need God sometimes to move mountains. And he says, if you believe him, he can. If you believe him. The only thing limiting your prayer life is, your, is our own unbelief. You know, I've met a lot of people over the years who have said things like this. Oh, no, I believe God's able. I just don't think he'll do it for me. You know, oh, yes, I believe that God could do that, but I don't think he'd do it for me. I had a lady come to me one time, and she was telling me, she's, I don't know, she, had, uh, she had four kids at home and a single mom, and she was struggling, and, and, and she said, Pastor, you don't understand. Uh, you, you sometimes share illustrations how... God gave you this, or God did this, or this check came in, or you, somebody gave you a car. She said, we don't have a car. We, we, we're, we're on the bus every day. She said, I don't believe God would do that for me. I'm not a preacher. And I told her, I said, her name's Carol. I said, Carol, you're misunderstanding God. You don't understand God. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't love me anymore. He loves you. I said, maybe I trust him more than you trust him. And I wasn't saying I did for sure. I just say maybe that's the issue here. Sometimes we look at other people and say, well, their life seems to be so blessed. Well, you know, maybe they walk with God in private in ways that you don't understand. But God loves us all the same. So I told Carol, I said, Carol, I don't believe that for one second, that God only takes care of preachers. And she said, she said, she said, well, 
he'll never give me a car. About three days later, she got a phone call. Her own parents, they had a beautiful little uh, Park Avenue. They didn't have much, they didn't drive much, they didn't have much mileage on it. And they said, Carol, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a new car. And we look at this one saying, you know what? We could trade in, but we don't need to do that. We were thinking maybe you could use a car. Now those are parents. So you say, well, that makes sense. They would think of her. <laughs> she got a car. Okay. She called me back and she said, Pastor, you're going to believe this. She said, I, I, I got a car. I said, no, you didn't. You need to understand, sarcasm is my spiritual gift. Okay. I said, no, you didn't. She goes, no, 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 really, I did. I said, no, no, you didn't. I don't believe that. Why don't you believe that? I said, because you told me God doesn't do things like that for you. And she did exactly the proper, the proper response. She said, I know, preacher, you're right. Well, some of my favorite words, you were right. The only thing that makes them any better is when they're attached to, I was wrong. You know. I was wrong, you were right. The quicker you come to that realization, the better life your, your life's going to be. Yeah. God's power to save is limited only by unbelief. God's power to answer prayer is limited only by unbelief. And may I say this, God's power to bless your life is limited only by unbelief. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read a verse over in, in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 3. And verse uh, 9. Or I'm sorry, uh, 19. The Bible says, talk about the children of Israel. It says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It wasn't God's ability to, 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 to give them the land. It wasn't, you know, there was the hindrance. It wasn't God's, you know, you know, you know ability to, to deal with the, with the enemies in the land. That was no problem. The Bible tells us very clearly that the reason they didn't enter in when they got to Kadesh Barnea when it, is because they didn't believe. you ever imagine what blessings God may have for your life that you're not receiving because you just don't believe? The Bible says that we don't get things in prayer because we haven't asked for them. You have not because you ask not. Now you can pray and you can pray with the wrong motive and maybe not get prayers answered either, but but one of the main reasons that we don't get prayers answered is because we don't ask God for things sincerely. He says, you need to believe me. The blessings of God. I wrote back many times because we simply don't believe. I, I, I ran across this verse years ago and I've, 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 I've thought about it so many times, meditated on it, preached about it, but in... Um, in Psalm 81. Psalm 81. 
beginning verse 10. Listen to these words, please. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not, would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Listen to these words, please. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against other adversaries. He's saying, what could have been? He said, if, the, if my people would have just listened to me, if they would have believed me. And he starts talking about the things he would have done for them. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have, should I have satisfied them. God is saying to us, he's saying, all the things I would have done if you would have trusted me. I think sometimes there are riches. And I don't, I'm not saying this from a health and wealth kind of gospel. I'm saying, I think there are riches at God's disposal that he could take care of us in any way he wants to. That are just sitting there waiting because we don't ask or we don't believe. Folks, the only thing hindering God from blessing your life in miraculous ways is your own unbelief. The limited power of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God's power is limited by us. I think of this town, his hometown. And the Bible says he healed a couple of folks, but... He did not many mighty works there. Other towns, blind people could see, but not in his hometown. In other towns, Jesus went through. Lame people could walk. Deaf people could hear. Dead people were alive in other places, but not in his town. He did not many mighty works there. Because of their unbelief. I wonder if, in some ways, we're not limiting the power of God in our own lives because of our unbelief. Father, you know the heart need of every single person in this room. As I've said before, I can speak to their ears, but you have to speak to their hearts. Without you, we can do nothing. So at this moment, I pray, Father, that you would take the truths of your word and drive them home to the hearts of these people. I pray that you would help us to understand that the only thing standing in the way of the things we need coming from the hand of God is our own unbelief. Father, please.
working hearts. Please, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment, I'd just like to ask you, is there anybody here that would say, Preacher, you talked about not knowing for sure about heaven. The truth is, I don't know for sure if I died right now, I would go to heaven. I don't understand. I don't, I don't know for sure. Well, like my mother, I'd like to ask you the same question. If the Bible says you can be sure and you're not sure, then doesn't it stand to reason you're missing something? And that thing is your own faith in Christ. Are you willing to trust him as your Savior? You say, preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven, but if you can know that, I really would like to know that. Would you slip a hand up? Nobody else looking around, just between you and me and God. Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure about heaven, but I'd like to be. Anybody? Anybody at all? All right. Then let me ask you this. You say, preacher, I see it. I see how my own life, whether it be my prayer life, whether it be my, the blessings of God, I see that my own life, maybe the things I need for my family, the things I need for my job, maybe, maybe the things that I need to live a life of victory, I realize are available to me, but my own unbelief is hindering that. Please pray for me that I'll trust God for the things that I need. And then my life will reflect that. Preacher, I needed this message. Please pray for me. Anybody? God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over the place. Do something with that, would you please? The altar's open. Please, do something with that. Father, we thank you so very much for the way you work in the hearts and lives of people. Please bless this invitation. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.